Chats. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Rory. And I'm Jay. And this is Midnight Chats, an Octivagant companion show where we sit down with your favorite paranormal authors, investigators, and researchers to have a chat about their work, the phenomenon, and all the strangeness in between. And on this episode, we are joined by author, investigator, researcher, and head of the Singular Fortean Society, Tobias Wayland. How did you think that went, guys? I think it went great up until you uh, had a mini stroke recording this intro. I have been having, like, I, I've been tripping over my tongue all day, and I have no idea why. I didn't know your tongue was that long that you could physically trip over it like that. I didn't learn something new every day. You exhaust me on a deep soul level. I want you to know that. I mean, we've only been friends for, like, 18 years, yep. so that, may, that makes sense. Two more years, and I can legally murder you. No. I, I, yeah, I, I, I consulted a lawyer. You actually can't. Okay. Here's the thing. If I never consult the law, everything I do is legal. Actually, no. I consulted a different lawyer, and uh, that's not true. Where are you getting the money for all these lawyers? Why do you uh, think we're always broke? <laughs> I have done things I'm not proud of. You guys are just hiring an endless string of lawyers just to be able to block me. I knew there was a reason why I paid for that legal insurance. <laughs> yeah, hiring them, not abducting them from their homes and favorite cafes. Okay, so Tobias Wayland, uh... He is the head of what is called the Singular Fortean Society, which is a another su- spiritual successor organization to the work of Charles Fort and the Fortean Societies of old. And I realize this, actually, because we haven't really talked too much about Charles Fort, we've talked about those who inspired him, uh, who were inspired by him, such as Keel. Uh, so for our listeners at home, what a Fortean is, uh, is somebody who looks at the totality of paranormality. Uh, so they're not just looking at cryptids or just at ghosts. They tend to look at anything strange and try to look at it uh, kind of in a more holistic, uh, heuristic, broad-scale way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually, by that definition, we here at the show are Fordians to a degree. Right. Yeah. yeah cause I mean, because John Keel himself was was a Fordian, uh, essentially. If he didn't say it outright, he definitely had the, had the same kind of mentality. He founded the New York Fordian Society doesn't mean that he believed it. It's John Keel. Yeah, that's completely fair. I also learned today that Mothman is yoked. Yoked? Hey, they said it was like built. It was like stocky. I just... Yoked? Did I use it right? I have no idea. Am I young and hip now? Um, I'm pretty sure he used it right, yeah. Am I old? No, no, no. You just don't talk to crazy people on the internet as much as I do. I learn I learn words from Reddit, and then I say them based off my understanding of them, based on nothing but context. So are we ready to let the listeners listen to something a lot better than us talking about yoke? God, I hope so. Let's go! <laughs> oh, God. Yeah.
And we are on the line with the founder of the Singular 14 Society, Tobias Whalen. Thank you, Tobias, for meeting with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. I have had your uh, website on my bookmark bar for, God, a couple of years now, because it's just among the various sites I'll troll through for paranormal news. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That's that's really flattering. So it's, it's cool to finally be able to chat with you. Um. Okay, so getting into this, our first question is one that we ask everyone who comes on our show uh, because we are a book club, which is what are you reading and what sort of books do you tend to gravitate towards? Sure. Well, you know, honestly, currently I am reading uh, The Devil Came to St. Louis by uh, Troy Taylor. Um, full uh, full disclosure, Troy is a, a friend of mine, but he's also a very talented uh, uh, researcher, writer, investigator. Um, he's written prolifically on a number of, of paranormal and, and, and true crime topics. Um, and this one is kind of a first for me because it deals with uh, exorcisms and, and uh, possessions, specifically uh, the uh, arguably most famous case of, of possession um, in the world, really, uh, certainly to come out of the, the, the U.S., and that is the, uh, uh, the boy uh, from St. Louis who... Uh, who inspired the, the the film the the exorcist yep i i am familiar with the case so do you tend to mostly read in the paranormal world do you ever branch out into fiction anything like that oh boy you know honestly um i am a huge uh sci-fi fantasy and and horror nerd so oh, it, you yeah. know honestly really if anything uh reading like nonfiction about the the paranormal is probably um the the least of the the the, the reading that I, I i actually do you know because i i, I do uh consume large amounts of of you know nerd uh media surrounding like those those particular genres oh us um, too but you know I, I i i read enough where um you know certainly uh, there's there's no shortage of of paranormal or you know ufological cryptozoological whatever I call it all paranormal personally oh yeah um, yeah just because it's 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 easier so uh, there's really no shortage of of paranormal literature in my life but uh, yeah certainly you know I I love reading um, you know uh, novels uh, about a variety of of subjects you know I've been considering um, you know reading through like Discworld again. Um, Great series. Mm -hmm. It's a great. Boy, you know, I've got, uh, there was an edition of the Lord of the Rings that just came out not too long ago. And I asked for it for Christmas and I got it. And it's got, um, you know, all of uh, Tolkien's like original uh, sketches and drawings and everything. Oh, very in it. cool. So, oh, that's awesome. Well, that's on, on, on my nightstand right now. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I read a lot of comics and, and things like that, too. Very, very cool. I mean, we, you're uh, basically describing the reading habits of everyone on the show, so yeah. Uh, yeah. you're in good company. I'm right. Just today, I was alternating between a book by Whitley Strieber that we're going to be covering coming up and um, oh, uh, the fourth book in the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson, which I'm oh. finally getting into. It's been a couple of years since it came out, I think. Um, and I just started the collected trade for Scooby-Doo Apocalypse that DC put out, um, God, almost 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um which that that's still nice. a cool concept. Oh, it's oh. amazing. All right, so before we get too uh sidetracked with what, the... I don't get to share what I'm currently reading. No one wants to hear from you. Oh. I do. <laughs> but I'm reading I'm reading Dead Silence by SA Barnes right now, which is my fiction book and then also the same 
book by Whitley Strieber. So. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, we're all going to be kind of reading the <laughs> same paranormal stuff given yeah. our show. All right. So getting into said paranormal stuff, uh, for our listeners at home who might be unaware of what the Singular Fortean Society is, can you give us a quick rundown on what your society is and what it is you do? Sure. So the, uh, the Singular Fortean Society is uh, an investigative and uh, journalistic endeavor uh, began by my, my wife, Emily, and I back in 2016. And, uh, and what we do is we investigate a variety of, of Fortean or, or paranormal uh, topics, and we will uh, write about them. Well, I, I do the, the, the writing. Emily, you know, does the, the, uh, the aesthetics and, and uh, photography uh, video and, and all of that stuff that I am woefully underqualified to, to uh, try to uh, do for myself. And so um, we will, uh, we will uh, investigate these topics um, and, uh, and, and write about them and uh, try to present them in a, uh, a, a journalistic manner. Um, you know, that was something that we knew pretty early on that we wanted to do because there seemed like such a dearth of, uh, um, you know, media outlets that were covering these, these subjects uh, with the, uh, I think, care and, and respect that we felt they deserved. Um, mm-hmm. And so that certainly seemed like a, a void that, that we could help fill. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's really more than that, uh, for me, because one of the things that I enjoy doing the most is, is speaking with, with witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I very much know what it is to have experienced the impossible and, and, you know, just sort of day to day, uh, live with that and, and how it sort of affects your, your outlook, um, and how it can really shape your entire life. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, uh, when when I was a kid and, and I started experiencing things that um, that I, I couldn't explain and, and were frankly pretty scary, uh, what helped me because there really wasn't anybody I could I could uh, you know talk to. Uh, my parents are great, but you know they they aren't really in this world, and so you know they they weren't prepared to to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, with with one of their kids at least back then. And so what I would do is I would ride my bike down to the, uh, the, the library. I was a nerdy kid. I like to read anyway. And so I discovered all of these different authors, you know, who were writing about uh, similar subjects, you know, full, books full of people, much like myself, who had experienced things, um, you know, far outside of, of normal human experience. So, you know, authors like John Keel and, and Whitley Strieber, whom you you mentioned um, you know Brad Steiger uh, you know the, the the list goes on and on really but um, that really helped me you know that uh, it, it it helped me uh, well one to know that there are other people out there who had experienced you know similar things to myself and then you know also it, it helped me uh, begin to uh, contextualize my experiences and um, and and if not understand them because I think we're very Far away, um, probably from from truly understanding, you know, paranormal experiences. At least uh, begin on the the path to understanding, um, and 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 that helped me. It, it it helped me quite a bit. And so, one of the things that I, I hope we can provide for people, you know, uh, whether it be through the the website or you know the the, the books that that we publish, is that kind of of support you know that 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 support that that i received when i really needed it and have 
sort of leaned on throughout my life. Um, if that's something that we can provide for people who have had experiences similar to, to mine, then, um, then that's what I want to do. Uh, thank you for that answer. And actually, that leads a bit into our next question. Uh, yes. If you wouldn't mind discussing it, would you would you possibly tell us some of what you experienced when you were young that led you to traveling down this road and how you kind of came to the conclusion that the Fortean paradigm was kind of the was kind of the one for you? Sure. Um, some of my earliest memories are of being terrified to go to bed. And, um, you know, I've, I've got snippets of, of memories, you know, from when I was very, very young. So you think, you know, two, three, four years old, um, of being in bed and having something come for me in the night. Um, you know, these, these, these nighttime visitations, um, would take the form of feeling like something was digging painfully into my ribs, you know, mm. felt like hands being lifted, uh, carried out of bed. Um, you know, I, I took, of course, like many children do to sleeping with the, the blankets over my head, which mm -hmm. is not the defense mechanism that I was promised when I tried it. <laughs> and, um, I remember, uh, something like hands seeming to press from the outside, you know, and into this blanket, uh, you know, seeing that, um, and again, these, these are very, very early memories. And so they're sort of uh, disjointed in, uh, a way, but that, that, that stuff. And if that's all it was, I think that there, there were, there really wouldn't be much to it. And I, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, be on, on this path at all, but those experiences continued, um, you know, they, they continued throughout my life, uh, even to, to very recently. Now at our old apartment, uh, this would have been a couple of, of, of years ago. Um, I remember for instance, uh, waking up one night uh, to Emily, my my, my wife, uh, you know, talking in her sleep, which isn't unusual, frankly. Like she 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 does, and it's not really a, a very big deal. Um, and so I, I heard her talking, and uh, and it woke me up. And so I roll over and I say, "Hey, you know, sweetie, is is everything okay?" And I very quickly realized that she was talking in her sleep, which meant that it was, and I should just ignore it. And, uh, and I rolled over to go back to sleep. And so I like to sleep on my stomach and I had my face turned to the left, uh, facing the, the, the wall, which was several feet away. And there's a nightstand between me and it. And as, uh, as I'm, I'm lying there, I see what looks like a black scaly hand sort of reach around from behind me into my, my field of vision. And when that happens, I can feel that old familiar feeling of, of hands digging painfully, you know, into my sides and, and trying to get underneath me as though they're, they're going to lift me up out of bed. And, um, and I, you know, I, I, I panicked, frankly, I, uh, I started frantically slapping at him. Um, and, uh, and when I did, I could feel my hands hitting something, you know, presumably wow. these hands that were, were, um, you know, trying to lift me up i think i would ha i would just pass out i would go catatonic <laughs> right <laughs> right but uh but yeah I, you know I, I could feel them connecting and, and and this lasted maybe several seconds right and uh and as soon as i felt my hands connecting the hand that i had seen come into my field of vision it it retracted you know it just kind of went back the uh where from whence it came uh wherever that was uh and uh 
and then they just vanished and I, 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 I wasn't hitting anything anymore. Um, you know, there was a, another experience in my early twenties. Um, this may have been the, the, the most powerful. It certainly seems to be the, the, the one that, that people find most interesting. I, uh, I had gone to, to bed one night. This is when I still lived with my, my, uh, parents and, uh, and I'd gone to bed and, and everything seemed normal. Um, and, uh, I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, uh, for no reason, like no reason I could tell, at least not immediately. And, uh, we lived in the, the suburbs at that time. And so, you know, there was just the, the ambient light of the, the suburbs filtering in through, through my bedroom window. And so I could see around the room well enough and, uh, and everything seemed to be in, in place, uh, as, as I woke up, um, but my vantage point was skewed and it took me a second, but I, I realized relatively quickly that the reason for that is, is because I seem to be floating several feet above my, my bed. Wow. And wow. as I looked around, I saw to my, my left, this, this shadowy figure, it looked humanoid. It, 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 it seemed a uh, man shaped really. Uh, and, uh, and it was just solid black. Um, and, uh, and I remember in that moment, you know, thinking, well, I can move, but it doesn't seem like a great idea for me to do so, given my current circumstances. And uh, just lay felt- still. Its vision is based on movement. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, part of me was worried that, like, if I moved around, like, maybe I would fall. And, you know, is it possible for me to hurt myself? Is moving this, you know, is, is yeah, is moving going to, like, provoke this thing into further action? And it really felt like, in that moment, I was interrupting something like there was no, it's hard to describe because there was no facial features for me to read or or Mm -hmm. anything. But I really got this distinct feeling that whatever this thing was, um, was as surprised as I was that that I was so suddenly awake for this. And, uh, and I remember it, uh, it reached its hand out and I interpreted this to be comforting, but who knows what the actual motivation was. And uh, it, it reached its, its hand out and placed it on my chest. And I was lowered back down to my bed. And, uh, and then it just vanished. And, and, and it was over, you know. Um, and so it's, it's been stuff like that. I think those are two uh, uh, extreme examples compared to, to you know, most of, of everything else. But uh, yeah, just think sort of along those, those lines. So, I mean, out of curiosity with that uh, second encounter, I'm hearing a bit there that, you know, sounds like your classic kind of demon-y stuff, your, your sha- or shadow person. I've also also kind of reminded me of quite a bit of alien abduction narratives. Mm-hmm. That's what I was just thinking, too. Right. Have you in the years since developed any theories about what may have been happening there? Well, that's, uh, that's certainly the rub. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that uh, that speaks to the, uh, the, the the second part of the question that, that Jay had asked, because um, I don't know. And you're absolutely right. Uh, depending on one's perspective, it would be easy to classify these experiences under a, a variety of, of claimed paranormal phenomena. And, and I think more than anything, the fact that... Um, none of it necessarily fits comfortably into any one box is probably more than anything uh, motivated me to, to take the, the Fortean approach, you know, that, that, right. that sort of, of holistic 
approach because, you know, I, I work with, with witnesses and, and, you know, shadow people really specifically seem like a kind of paranormal cipher, right? Where people will just overlay whatever their beliefs are onto them. Um, Mm -hmm. when really they don't fit into anything, you know, like if you're into ghosts and hauntings, you'll, uh, you will approach a, a shadow person and, and, you know, like any sort of like reported shadow person encounter as though it, it represents whatever you think ghosts are. If uh, if you're into alien abduction, you're going to interpret that as, you know, uh, screen memories or, mm-hmm. or however you manage to fit it in, in, into that particular box. But the, the actual reality of the situation, is, as far as, as I'm concerned, is that we have no idea. And um, there are some commonalities that I've noticed between shadow people sightings. Like I spoke to a woman up in Rogers, Minnesota, not too long ago. Well, not too long ago. It was probably two years ago now. Mm-hmm. But um, she had had some shadow uh, people sightings or shadow person. I, I, it's hard to tell if it was more than one or the, the same one multiple times. Um, but she only ever saw one at a time. Uh in in her home and uh and other family members had had sightings as well and it was interesting because she didn't know my background she had no idea um about any of my own uh experiences or, or anything else and i don't even think my second book was out that at, at, at that point so most people probably weren't uh, aware of my my own uh experiences period but what she described was a a shadow person visiting her home and uh, showing a particular interest in in her grandson who lived with her. Hmm. And um, and on at least one occasion, this thing was seen uh, seemingly just watching him while he he slept. And uh, and when she told me about that, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I I totally get that. Like, I know what that's like. (laughs) Sure. You know, like that was something out of my own life. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's interesting because of course she was trying to make sense of it and she was like, oh, well, you know, her husband had passed away. And so she was like, well, maybe it was my husband who passed away. And, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe. Cause I, you know, I'm not going to take that away from somebody, if, right, you know, right. I, I had a, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a similar experience with my, my own sister, um, who had said, Hey, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was at our, our parents' house and I saw this, uh, this shadowy figure, this seeming shadow person in, in their, uh, uh, living room. And she was like, you know, I think it might've been, you know, maybe like grandma coming back to visit me. And I was like, again, I'm just like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you never know, but probably not. Um, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's certainly nothing to indicate that. Right. Um, and so, you know, people want to, to impose their own, uh, narrative on these events, which I get because they want to make sense of it, but, um, but you can't, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of sense to, to be made at this point. And so I think the only honest way to approach these subjects is by really, uh, uh, earnestly examining what we actually know uh versus what we'd like to believe you know and i i I think fort um was able to 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 do that very well but he also liked to speculate which i think is great and speculation is healthy and it leads to discovery because without imagination nothing is, is ever discovered 
And so I think that part's important too. We just have to remember that it's speculation and be upfront that Mm -hmm. it's speculation Mm -hmm. and that we don't actually know any, we don't know that anything like we're speculating is, is actually true. Absolutely. Um, now kind of continue along that, uh, line of thought. So the term Fordian is, I'm going to say storied to say the least. Not only through the works of Charles Fort, but then later it being adopted by John Keel and the various Fordian societies, which rose and fell over the years. Um, as the latest incarnation of the Fordian tradition, do you think that the world of anomalous research has changed much since the time of like Ford or Keel? Uh, and what are some of the challenges that the modern Fordian society faces that maybe you didn't have to in the past? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly changed since the the, the, the time of Fort, you know, in the, the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I mean, in his life, like nobody was really doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'd like to believe that, um, well, you know, he, he would probably either have really enjoyed or really hated the Internet because uh, that's yeah. the really big change that, that, that we're dealing with now. Um, you know, and I, I, I think Keel, uh, you know, might have felt the the same way, although he had the Internet while he was still alive. But, you know, maybe not in the, the certainly not in the prime of his his uh, in investigative years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, since since Fort, I think how things have changed is that people are actually, you know, out there investigating this stuff, um, mm-hmm. you know, it. One of the reasons that I got into Fort, like I didn't start with Charles Fort. Like, I don't think anybody starts with Charles Fort, like not in the, the 21st century. Huh, right. Um, you know, I I got into that because I would read, you know, like Lauren Coleman and John Keel and and, and those and those guys, and they would constantly reference him. You know, mm-hmm. they would describe things as Fortian or say, like, you know, uh, uh, or like quote Charles Ford. And I'd be like, well, who the hell is Charles Ford? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I, I looked it up, you know, and I, I went and I bought, I still have it. Um, it's just a giant, like omnibus of everything he's ever written in one like massive volume. Yeah. The book of the damned. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And it will, cause it's got the, the, the book of the damned, but it's got low and wild talents mm-hmm. and, and everything. In it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I I went out and and, and bought that, and uh, yeah, I mean it was it was enlightening, I think. Um, and I I still to this day insist that um, in order to understand the 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 people or the investigators, the researchers, you know, uh, whatever that, that that people enjoy these these writers, you have to understand Charles Ford. Um, because you you can't get what they're talking about if you don't, and 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 I apologize if that sounds like pretentious or condescending to, to anybody, but I really strongly feel that way. Um, like Keel, especially, I don't think somebody can understand John Keel without uh, understanding a few basic things about Charles Ford and his particular approach to the these subjects. Um, and so, you know, I would. I would say, you know, the 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 big difference, uh, you know, going forward from from Fort was all of the people that he influenced, and mm-hmm. then you know the fact that there are now people because of that actually out there investigating and researching and writing about this stuff, um, and then you know the 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 big change obviously since uh, both of them um, would be the the internet, and it's uh, it's proven to be quite a challenge. It, 
I think that it's great in the access that it gives us to, to, to information. I think that it's great in terms of disseminating information. Um, it's it's been fantastic for us as a resource as far as um, finding witnesses as as a medium for witnesses to reach out to us. Um, it's also very challenging in that if somebody doesn't know a few research basics like um, how to source things or you know, uh, well, really just fundamentally, like how to think critically through an account, you know, to, to, to be able to uh, source it, know why that's important. A lot of people just don't seem to care uh, how to, to um, sort of separate the story from the, the, the narrative and then try to confirm like all the different parts of the, the, the story. Um, then you get a lot of misinformation. Um, and that's the internet for, you know, it's, it's like 75% creepypasta. And so that can be difficult, of course, because then you find yourself in the unenviable uh, position of constantly having to try to, um, uh, dissuade people from believing in, in fiction and in, in nonsense that they, they just saw on Reddit or something, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, that's, boy, that's got to be like the, the, the biggest change because, you know, guys like Keel, now, they certainly had their, their crank files, right, where, you know, they would have the weird letters that people wrote them or just stuff they heard, you know, second or third hand and they were never able to verify. But I, I don't think it was anywhere near the volume that, everybody has to deal with today because of the internet you, you just gave me a great mental image of keel printing off reddit pages and putting them in his crank file <laughs> I, yeah, was right. just, I was just thinking about something similar it's like oh man i couldn't i can't even imagine what it would be like if john keel had to deal with all the people that like all the redditors and twitter users just I, feeding him with all of their stories like oh it would be madness i i would pay good money to watch John Keel interact with TikTok for like 20 minutes. That's all I need. I, I just, I'm having this vivid memory of being an undergrad and having to patiently explain to another grown ass adult that no, the Russian sleep experiment was not real. Um, and they would not believe me for, I swear to God, 45 minutes. It was... It was an arduous task to explain to this person that even if something is not explicitly labeled as a creepypasta, you should probably figure out when what you're reading is a campfire story that just happened to have gotten typed up for YouTube. Like mm -hmm. that, that said, that is a good creepypasta. It's very good. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into our next question here, though. So another topic we've discussed on this show is the siloing effect that seems to occur within paranormal communities, uh, where lines get drawn between various topics and research that researchers seem remiss to cross. Uh, as Fordians, have you encountered any pushback or difficulties from within the paranormal community for your embrace of, I mean, theoretically everything? On how is the practice of being a Fordian received in the modern day? You know, I, I think that... Um, uh, Fordian or 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 Fordiana is having something of a, a, a renaissance right now. And 
we haven't, uh, and, and, and I think we can actually thank the internet, uh, the, 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 uh, internet for that as well, because, you know, people are, uh, sort of inundated with, uh, with a, a, a variety of, uh, paranormal topics. And so it's very difficult for them to, I think, limit their exposure to just one aspect, you know, um, but, as far as, you know, pushback is concerned, you know, I, I don't think that we, at least not to my memory, I, I don't remember any specific instances of um, receiving, you know, a, a lot of uh, vocal criticism about that particular approach. And I think it's, it's probably at least in part due to the fact that if I'm just writing, say, like a news article, um, now I might include some, you know, specific details about other weird stuff that's happened in, in that area, or, or um, you know, I, I I might mention something like that, but I'm not going to try to contextualize it in that way without. Like a, a, a clearer connection, and so like if I'm writing an article about a Bigfoot sighting or something, then I'm probably only going to reference things specific to that particular sighting. Um, so that could be other Bigfoot sightings in the area or, or whatever. Now, obviously, my 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 books are are very different from that because you know those are are written specifically from my perspective, which mm-hmm. I hope is, is, uh, objective in some ways, but also deals with a lot of my, my personal, uh, uh, speculations regarding, you know, uh, particular connections or, or, or things like that. Um, and so I think what happens is, you know, if somebody's interested in, in Bigfoot or something and they search for Bigfoot on our, our site, what they'll find are articles about Bigfoot sightings that don't, necessarily challenge their uh view of of that field so if they're really into like the the scientific materialism of of that particular you know camp of of bigfoot then they're not uh going to have to you know sit there and be offended by a bunch of oh you know sasquatch is a ghost stuff or whatever um but if they are interested in that they you know they can probably find some uh some articles about uh, experiences people have had where, um, you know, a, a Sasquatch did seem to to manifest some some kind of of paranormal uh, attributes, you know, similar to a, a ghost or something. Um, and so I I, I think it's uh, more of our our witness centered approach that has probably um, kept us. Away from that, because, you know, for me, um, a lot of the time, it's just about trying to authentically, uh, um, you know, write about one witness's experience mm-hmm. in a way that I, I, I think does their experience justice, you know, because a lot of people don't necessarily have the, the, the words to, um, you know, sort of get everything uh, uh, out and, and, and put it down on paper and, and, and make sense of it. Um, and so, you know, having us, uh, uh, to, to do that for them, um, I think can be very helpful, but I am digressing a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, the, the short answer is that we don't get a lot of pushback. Um, and then of course, the longer answer is everything I just said, which <laughs> um, I think is, is largely why is because we don't do a lot 
lot of of public speculation on on our our, our uh, website because it is largely you know devoted to to journalism. I which I appreciate for a lot of reasons. I mean, especially because I kind of present doing that hard work of of making sense of these often confusing experiences. I, I think another uh, thing that that helps with is, uh, for example, we're reading a uh, communion right now, but Whitley Strieber and you know, I've heard of his abduction experience. I'd never read the book before. Um, and I, I, I guess it never really got through to me how deeply traumatizing it was to him because that story, once it had entered into the public sphere, it kind of got flanderized mm-hmm. until the only thing I really knew about it was, was butt probing, you know, right. That became the the core message because ultimately, uh, I, I ultimately no one was bothering to actually get the core message out of that and make sure that that's what survived going out. And the fact that so many people just didn't even stop to consider the fact that that is you know sexual assault and I mean, is yes. very uh, obviously inherently traumatizing uh, makes me want to commit crimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um. On the topic, though, of monsters, you brought up Sasquatch. Uh, and a quick look at the Singular Fortean webpage. One of the first things that we noticed was your investigation of the Mothman sightings around the Lake Michigan and Chicago O'Hare Airport area. And I know you re- also published a book on that. Um, and so we have to ask, because we love Mothman. Yes, we uh, do. Has your work investigating those cases uh, continued since the publication of that book? And when it comes to the Mothman itself, I guess, what's your theory? If you had to put your uh, stake in the ground and say it's an alien bug or it's a government experiment, which way are you leaning? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, those, those sightings, uh, they, they never really stopped. Uh, you know, honestly, if, if, if you look at the, uh, the Point Pleasant uh, sightings, you know, obviously most, the, the, the ones that have been most popularized were from 66 to 67, but if if you talk to people out in the Ohio River Valley, um, they never actually stopped, and oh. um, and so it's basically the, the the same thing here all around Lake Michigan. You know, people have been reporting sightings of a uh, uh, winged humanoid, um, and that's that's every state surrounding Lake Michigan. So we've got sighting reports from uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana. I think there's even one or two from Michigan itself, and. Um, yeah, the, the the book was published in uh, 2019, and I you know I don't have my my timeline up uh, in front of me, but you know there have been at least a couple dozen probably sightings since then, uh, like since then. And um, boy, you know if there's one thing that I have learned about these sightings is they don't. I'm not going to say that they don't make any sense <laughs> because I think that they make a certain amount of sense in, in that there are consistencies between them, mm-hmm. um, but they're very difficult to, to, to pin down. What so far about all I've got is there are two different sighting profiles that, uh, that I've, I've come up with. Now, the first one, um, is probably misidentified birds. It's I know it's not the sexy answer people want, but we have to be able to recognize that stuff. True. Because if we can't explain the things that we can actually explain, why is anybody ever going to believe us about the things that we can't? Absolutely. So Very true. Yeah. This first uh, sighting profile, what you've got are largely daytime sightings. Um, they don't really include any of the um, associated paranormal phenomena that people have come 
you know, to, to, uh, uh, associate with Mothman sightings. So no glowing red eyes or, or feeling, um, as though something is looking in your soul or, or anything like that. Um, so daytime sightings, uh, no paranormal, uh, uh phenomena. Um, and, uh, they're usually pretty far away and, um, you know, they, they, uh, they don't involve much more than somebody seeing something that they can't immediately identify, you know, flying around um, under otherwise norm, uh, normal circumstances. And what really led to the creation of that profile was um, a sighting report that we received from a, a gentleman in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. And so this guy, this was May 2018, he was out riding his bike, he was bicycling to work. And on his bicycle helmet, he had a GoPro camera because he liked to record his you know, bike rides. Um, and as he was bicycling to work, he saw this uh, man and woman, they were standing on the, the street corner and they were pointing up at something that they seemed to be, you know, fascinated by in, in the sky. And so he looks up and he sees this thing that he later described to me as a, a giant bat or a human in a uh, wingsuit. And uh, he decides, because he's got this GoPro camera on his helmet, He's going to follow this thing around and get as much footage of it as he can, uh, which was incredibly helpful, actually. Um, and uh, and then after he followed it around for some time, he had to get to work. And so he, he, he went to work. And uh, and later he was very forthright um, about his experience. I don't think for a second that this person was lying to me. I don't think he was trying to hoax anything. Um, he was very, very, very helpful. Uh, in terms of, you know, being a, a witness, uh, you know, putting up with uh, re, uh, repeated uh, uh, communication. He even sent us the original SD card that the, the video footage was on. And so, you know, with, with his help, we were able to uh, identify um, the, uh, the, the uh, part of the, the, the video that had the object in it. We could put it in Photoshop and get some good still images of this thing and blow them up. And, uh, and it was a bird. I mean, <laughs> it just, it was a bird hand to God. It just, it, 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 it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would guess that it was probably something like a, uh, a great blue heron. Um, mm -hmm. but I don't know, you know, just, we, you just got the, the profile of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it was, it was a situation where I, I went back to him and I said, well, you know, I want to show you some pictures of, of different birds. And, uh, and you could, and, and could you please tell me if any of these were similar to what you saw and they're all birds in flight. And, you know, he, uh, he said that the great blue heron was the closest to, to what he had seen. And so I thought, well, okay, that's, that's mystery solved. Um, but that's the thing, you know, uh, we were getting so many of these sightings that didn't have great video evidence of people describing the same thing as this person, a, this daylight sighting of something with nothing, you know, paranormal seemingly about it, that just was something that they couldn't identify. And they would describe it in a similar way. They would say, oh, it was a giant bat or, you know, a, a, a man in a wingsuit or it looked like this wing humanoid. And that's kind of just what great blue herons look like when they're flying around. They've, they've got these skinny legs that stick out behind them and they tuck their long necks back, you know, and They've got these huge, uh, you know, seven foot wingspan wings. And, um, and if you're not used to seeing them, 
uh, you're going to think it's it's something weird. Um, and the thing is, too, a lot of people don't understand uh, that uh, you know, due to climate change and uh, and the destruction of their their wetland habitat, there are more species of heron that are actually you know coming north earlier, staying north longer, roosting in in uh, urban environments than ever before. You know, um, and so I think part of the situation with that is. You're just, you know, you've got people who aren't used to seeing something like that in in an urban uh, environment, and so that's that's profile A. That's that's the stuff that I have to talk about that nobody likes to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got profile B. You've got the the potentially paranormal sightings, and and those have a lot of commonalities too. I mean, those, for instance, are much more likely to take place at night. They actually uh, do involve uh, weird or at least reported instances, you know, claims of, of, of paranormal uh, phenomena, most commonly, of course, being um, the, the glowing red eyes. Uh, but these sightings also tend to be reported as being much closer than the, the, the daytime sightings. So often you'll get people who will say that, you know, they were only 15, maybe 20 feet uh, away from this creature. It was actually on the ground with them. Maybe they, they, they saw it take off into the air, and when it did, it didn't flap its wings. Um, some people will uh, report, um, you know, feeling as though this thing was staring, you know, into their soul or as though they were hypnotized by its gaze. Um, and so, you know, certainly those sightings, if you believe the, the witness, and I always approach every investigation as though what the witness is telling me is authentic, at least authentic to their experience, unless I have evidence to the contrary. Um, and, and, and I don't have any, uh, you know, any reason to, to disbelieve uh, most of these, these sightings. So, um, you know, if, if you believe these witnesses, then what they're describing couldn't be a misidentification of, of any kind of bird. It just isn't possible. And so mm-hmm. at that point, I think that you have to um, begin to, to entertain more, uh, you know, paranormal hypotheses behind, you know, like, like what could be responsible. Um, and as far as that's concerned, I mean, I have no idea. Uh, I, I, it's easier for me to say what I don't think it is, because when you look at, for instance, um, the, like what people describe biologically, it doesn't seem possible. Right. So I, I don't think there's much chance of this being any sort of undiscovered biological species. Um, you know, something that size with that wingspan shouldn't be capable of, of flight. Um, you know, because people are usually describing something between like six and seven feet tall with maybe a 15 foot wingspan. Um, and it's, it's not like it's this, you know, tiny, frail, hollow boned bird creature. They're, they're usually describing something that, you know, is, is humanoid. So, you know, roughly human shaped with way too much bulk for, for that kind of wingspan to be capable of lifting, um, and so I, I certainly think that for it to exist as described, there has to be something about it outside of, uh, you know, human scientific knowledge. Um, and so at, at that point, you know, I'm, I'm willing to entertain a, a variety of, of, you know, potentialities, right? Like uh, there are a lot of possibilities. It, it, people have reported these things as 
uh, disappearing very suddenly, sometimes disappearing right in front of them. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I, I would be willing to entertain uh, things like, uh, you know, some sort of, of multidimensional explanation. And, and I don't mean that um, as in necessarily like a parallel universe, although maybe a parallel universe. But when I talk about a, like, like multidimensional, you know, it, that to me is the difference between something like us that, uh, you know, really exists in three physical dimensions and something that, that could potentially exist in dimensions uh, to which we are not privy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you would, I guess, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a difficult concept, I think. But, you know, you, you, you would have to imagine what it would be like for something like that to interact with us, right? And so, you know, if, if, if you picture it like a... a, a uh, say us interacting with a, a two-dimensional creature, right? So you've got something that just exists on a flat plane, but here we are three-dimensional. So, you know, look at us, we have a whole nother dimension. Mm -hmm. And when we were to pass through their uh, uh, realm of perception, right? Like the area they can, they can perceive, they would never even get a glimpse of all of us. You know, like they would see the tiny sliver of us passing through their plane. Right. And so, you know, if, if, then we would also be able to just seemingly appear and disappear magically at, at will, you know, uh, due to this, this extra dimension we have that, that, that they just can't interact with. Uh, they don't, they don't exist in. Um, and so, you know, if you're dealing with something like that, then, um, you know, who knows what it, what it might be capable of us, uh, what, what it might be capable of, you know, suddenly, uh, appearing and, and disappearing makes a whole lot more sense. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe that, that speaks to the rest of it too. So, um, yeah, I guess as, 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 as detailed or, or, or really like as firm as I can be in, in any kind of belief. And I don't, I tend not to hold firm beliefs. Um, is that uh, whatever people are are seeing, it's something that they can't explain. And in this particular profile of sightings, if um, if what they're seeing is is what they say it is, um, it uh, it must exist outside of our our current scientific understanding. Um, which I, that's weird enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, it almost, uh, the way you described it, I mean, it sounds Lovecraftian in nature. I mean, the yeah. entities in Lovecraft were like that. We didn't see their full self. We saw whatever sliver of themselves was passing through our perceptual field. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's very interesting. And yeah, I what, really like that example that you, that you, the, the difference like us, if we were interacting with something two dimensional, because it, it made me think of, that scene at the end of Men in Black where they kick open the door and there's that whole other yeah. world there. So it made me think of that because it's like that has always been a good analogy in my like in my brain of some of the stuff that we just talk about in this world. It's like we're trying to engage with and understand something that may be just com like completely outside of our our actual understanding at this point. And I, I like that that example that you gave with the two dimensions. It kind of hits that point home too. So speaking of following Mothman with a GoPro, <laughs> um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is the idea that looking into the anomalous or researching the paranormal kind of invites a larger presence of it into your life. 
Do you feel like that has that idea has any merit in your personal experience? Um, I think that you know I I would agree that um, that certainly seems to be uh, some people's perception of it. Um, I, I I don't know that we have the understanding of it to rule out something like confirmation bias mm, right. because I, I i think very much that you know obviously if you're looking for something in particular you're probably going to find it um, if you have uh, uh something that um you know you believe in strongly or want to believe in strongly i think you, you will apply that narratively to your experiences um and i i certainly see uh people do that you know quite a bit honestly um and you know in terms of it being something that's objectively true uh you know as though uh what you're doing is is getting some otherworldly entity's attention which now is suddenly showering you with attention and and paranormal phenomena i i, I don't know that that's true because um what i found is if you well let let me put it this way. Um, I like to say that everybody is about three drinks away from telling me a paranormal story mm-hmm. because most people have one. Mm-hmm. You know, most people that in, in my experience have at some point in their life um, experienced one or more things that uh, are potentially paranormal that they can't explain. They just they just don't talk about it. Um, the most common experience related to me by witnesses is that they will have this seemingly impossible experience. And, you know, it's, it's very impactful. Sometimes it's even traumatizing, um, but it, it, it has a tendency, you know, to, to really shake things up and, and, and they want to talk about it and they want to tell somebody about it. And so they go to a, a loved one could be a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a close friend, you know, whatever. And they'll tell them about it. And the number one reaction that that they say uh, they receive is that they're laughed at. They're laughed at by this person that they really, more than anything, wanted to to trust with this very powerful mm-hmm. experience. And, th- and so they just they just don't talk about it until you know they either have uh, enough you know social lubricant or they just feel like they need to uh, to the point where they they go out and, and find somebody like me. Um, and so. I think that these phenomena, uh, whatever they are, whatever they, they, they represent are common enough that, um, I wouldn't be confident in saying that, you know, people who go out and study them become special and attract all of this phenomena to themselves. I, I would just, you know, I, I would be more confident in saying that, um, it's probably, uh, a combination of paying more attention and uh, and and overlaying a, a certain narrative over their own experiences, um, you know whether that's that's justified or 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 not. That's a great answer, actually, mm-hmm. um, and it's one we haven't heard yet. Yeah. So I guess through that uh, lens, then we would be the it wouldn't be that looking into it makes it look back into you. It would be it is everywhere already, mm-hmm. and of course, when you start looking for the devil, you're going to find him eventually. Well, kind of like the fact of it's like as soon as you get an orange car, you're going to see orange cars everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, the I've I've heard plenty of pregnant women say the moment that you're pregnant, you notice everyone suddenly pregnant around you. Yep. Uh, another example of how our perceptions kind of end up shaping the reality we ultimately live in. 
continuing along kind of the idea of research and the expansion of your horizons, um, as like as a Fordian, how do you keep your viewpoint from stagnating? Like, what are some of the ways that you make sure that you're constantly gathering new viewpoints and new theories in order to continue expanding as whatever the hell this is also expands around us? Sure. That's that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, for me, I uh, well, when when we started the the Singular Fortean Society, one of the things that, um, you know, I was very adamant about is that we incorporate the word society into it. And and the reason for that was, be, well, I guess maybe I should just back up and just uh, explain why we came up with Singular Fortean Society. So, you know, at, at this point, like we all know what 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 Fortians are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that that word singular, people get get stuck on sometimes because they're like, well, what, does this mean it's the only forty in society? And it's like, well, okay, singular can mean one thing, or you know, uh, but it can also mean uh, unique or remarkable. Mm-hmm. And and so one thing that I firmly believe is that um, everyone's perspective is important, and um, and 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 whatever. It is that somebody is capable of bringing to the table when it comes to discussing these subjects. It has value, and so what what I see as the the singular Fortean society is a society of singular Fortians of people mm. with unique, remarkable perspectives that you know when when combined might give us a, a, a greater view. You know something that yeah. that. that that's whole is greater than the sum of its, its, its parts. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's number one for me, you know, in terms of, um, uh, you know, staying fresh and, 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 and not stagnating in this field is making sure that, um, everybody around me knows, especially that, that, that their perspective is valued. I mean, because I think what, what can happen is, you know, um, you've got a website or, you know, you put out a couple of books and you're on podcasts and you do television and you're in documentaries. And next thing you know, uh, everybody's looking at you like you're some sort of guru or something and it's BS, you yeah. know, and they shouldn't. And, and people have a tendency to, to want to, uh, agree with you or look to you for answers. And that's fine. If there's something you're actually knowledgeable about that they aren't, but when it comes to the nature of this beast, Nobody knows. And so, you know, just encouraging people to share their honest opinion about what they think um, is is going on um, is great for me. You know, it leads to my own uh, 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 opinions or ideas that I'm entertaining or speculations or whatever. It leads to that being challenged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think only through being challenged, um, you know, can, can we actually grow? You know, just as people in general, honestly, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that's that, that's something that that I put uh, a huge emphasis on. And then the other thing, you know, um, that I, I advise for for just everybody is just read books. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know I know people love TV, mm-hmm. and I know they love their reality TV, and like that's cool. But you got to read books. You have oh, yes. to. Yeah, by a variety of people. By people you don't agree with necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it's the only way to actually get the kind of uh, holistic view of of the, the paranormal um, that I, I think will allow you 
to even begin to to understand it, you know. Um, and by understand it, I don't even mean understand what's behind it, but understand it in terms of of the culture that has arisen out of it, you know. Uh, like if, for instance, like you mentioned that 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 you all are reading uh, Whitley Strieber, that's fantastic because if you don't read Whitley Strieber, um, then you you won't understand what people are talking about now when they talk about all of the ideas that still exist in ufology and and with, with within the even more niche subject of alien abduction that can be traced back directly to what he has written about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, yep. and and there are a lot of 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 influential, you know, authors like that. And you can't just learn about them by watching, you know, a, a documentary on YouTube or or you know on the Discovery Plus or whatever. You actually have to go and 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 read their books. Um, and then you you know, you gotta read the books that inspired them. Um, and it's it's sort of a, a, a never-ending process, but I think it's it's the best we can do. Yeah, certainly it's the best I can do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, hopefully that that answers it. A- absolutely. I think you hit on a, a a couple of really interesting things and things that we uh, we talk about on our show all the time. Because I mean, pretty much what we do is we break down a book, we summarize it, and then we talk about it on, on our show. But then even throughout it, even though we've summarized the book, we repeatedly, t- we repeatedly say over and over again, it's like, if you, it, like, go out and buy this book and read it because we can't possibly fit everything in here into this summary. And if you're, if you're interested in this topic, go and read the whole book because there's so much more to be interested in. Well, I mean, also, I mean, me personally, I feel like the brain interacts with information differently when you're sitting down and reading a 300-page book. Yeah. As oh, yeah. opposed to trying to mainline, you know, a YouTube playlist or even even a podcast like ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've certainly tuned out enough while mowing the lawn and listening to podcasts that I didn't retain everything that not like oh, yeah. I would if I read the book. Absolutely. Sure. Well, I, I, I have to say, I love the idea of a, a podcast book club. And I, I think that's great because, you know, I, I think something that that can do for people because it's. It, it's not even enough just to read the book. Like you got to read the book, then you have to talk about it. You mm-hmm. have to talk about it with other people, and you have to get like their feedback on it. So I think this is great in that you know it can introduce people to to new literature mm-hmm. and uh, and give them you know some some perspective on it. And so when when they are reading it, like they interact with it differently. Maybe they they understand some things they wouldn't have understood, uh, w- wouldn't have understood otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they they've got some extra context or, or, or something. So yeah, I mean, it's really it's not enough even to just read it. You've got to read it, and then you have to like absorb it by uh, talking about it with with other people and expressing your ideas and having those ideas challenged and mm-hmm. hearing other people like other people's. Uh, uh, thoughts and yeah, it's it's sort of a, a collaborative effort. I think I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we only have two more questions here, and I want I want to make sure we ask them. Uh, and the next one is on the topic of a uh, you know collaborative efforts. Looking uh, at your uh, Twitter bio, we could not help but notice that you're a fan of tabletop RPG games. Uh, and oh, as yeah. we are also huge dice and paper nerds, we we had a, we wanted to work a question in here about that. Uh, and that is, do you think that playing those games has influenced or shaped your interest in anomalous events? And uh, also, what's your poison? What games do you play? Oh, boy. You know, honestly, it's uh, I think it's had 
Uh, it's worked opposite of that, actually. Um, oh, I huh. think that uh, uh, investigating, you know, paranormal phenomena has influenced my games more than than, mm-hmm. than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I I try to work in real stuff. Like I, I had a, a, a game of because uh, I I end up GMing most of the time. Okay, and I had uh, a game of Delta Green that I was running. Um, this was over the pandemic, so it been twenty twenty. And you know, I was like, you know. Like they they talk right in there about like the 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 Migo, um, you know, creating these like gray alien puppet things that you know, that 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 they control. And I'm like, I can work with that, you know. Like I know the basic narrative for alien abduction, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna have these I'm gonna have these guys have to investigate this case of of a, a missing child that was abducted by aliens, you know? Um, and so like, I, I incorporate that stuff quite a bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and there, I don't think that there's much that I've learned about the, the paranormal from the games themselves. I, I will say there are some that are written really, really well, like uh, unknown armies. Um, I would recommend to almost anybody interested in, uh, you know, uh, modern magical theory as like just read like I don't, well read all of it there's three main books um and it, it works as sort of a primer i think for people interested in uh, in in stuff like that um so there there are definitely things to be learned i i love this question because nobody ever asked me it ever <laughs> you know, it's like something that i really want to talk about a lot uh, like you know it's it's a big part of my life it's like my, my favorite thing um uh, so you know, I you know I think a lot about uh, role playing games in terms of um, you know being able like uh, being able to use them as sort of thought experiments in mm-hmm. in certain ways, um, you know uh, to try to understand uh, paranormal I- experiences or, or under- understand people's perceptions of, of paranormal experiences because I got to tell you most of my friends are not into this stuff like they don't if 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 they think about the paranormal at all, they don't think much of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I'll have, you know, like, like my, my gaming friends and, uh, yeah, I'll put them through a scenario like this, this, uh, this Delta green alien abduction. And it is interesting to sort of see their reaction to mm-hmm. everything and, and how they handle it. Um, because then I'm like, okay, so that's, that's a very small sample size, but it might be indicative of um, of the ways that uh, you know, quote unquote, normal people um, uh, sort of interact with this subject, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, boy, what games am I into? <laughs> I've got I counted the other day, and I forgot how many it is, but it's something like. 300 plus books for like 60 some systems at wow. this point. Oh yeah, you got us. You beat. got us beat. Definitely. I mean, you know, we have a lot, but you got us beat. Definitely. And like I I'm running Call of Cthulhu right now. Nice. Um, Excellent. But which I I I I love. And you brought up Lovecraft, which is great yeah. because I, you know, I I couldn't for whatever reason, when asked, like, hey, like, what are you into? Like, what are you reading now? I'm like, I don't know, nothing. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't, I'm not qualified to answer that, apparently. But no, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. And so, okay. yeah, running uh, running Call of Cthulhu is, is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, uh, there's new Rift stuff coming out for Savage Worlds. 
that I think is super cool because I've always loved riffs. Uh, the fantasy companion for Savage Worlds is coming out soon. So that's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I like to collect out of print games too. So like mm-hmm. I spent an obscene amount of money on a Ghostbusters International like box set. Oh my God. I want it. So jealous. That's so yeah. cool. That is so cool. It's I'm mean, it's a really fun game because it, you know it was the it was the first iteration of the West End games like D6 system, which is fantastic. And it led directly into the Star Wars like WEG D6 system, which is my favorite Star Wars system ever made. Um, you know, um, but uh, but yeah, I you know, like I'm into everything. Um the things I'm probably the, into the least are you know, like like Dungeons and Dragons after second edition. Okay. I, it's it took a weird turn into um but I mean it, Dungeons and Dragons was always sort of a game that, that didn't make a ton of sense, but at least it I had fun playing second edition. Uh third edition came around and and I think that um it sort of became uh more of a uh like gamist sort of like strategy tactical experience yeah. much like more this mechanics mini game, like character optimization that i was super not into mm. yeah, um, well you saw some of that in second edition too like don't get yeah. me wrong they had a, they had just books and books and books full of of kits for every class that all did different game breaking things but um but yeah i, I just I, I didn't love that and then like 5e kind of has turned it around a little bit but at this point i'm like i don't know man i got savage worlds i've got <laughs> yeah. i've got all kinds of things that do this better it's you know, I'll just I'll I'll steal the setting material and uh, and leave the rest. I love Fifth Edition because I was I I'm you know I'm a I I'm a mechanics player, but I also really love story. Like I am willing to forego mechanics as long as the story is great. And the problem is that I always found with like three point five, uh, three you know third edition D and D and three point five was that you couldn't really do that because everybody just wanted to break the game. Especially oh, yeah. when it's like all the books, like the Book of Nine Swords came out and all that crap. Like it was just, it was too much. But I, I like Fifth Edition. I think it's really streamlined the game and made it a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that recommendation means anything, especially not in today's day and age where a new, a new tabletop game is coming out like every other week. It feels yeah, like I have so many <laughs> books I haven't even played yet. Yeah, same. It's ridiculous. I, I, there, we, I have books on the shelf that I've read or you know, you know, parsed through, but just we, I, I haven't had the time to play. Every ounce of my gaming intelligence needs to be put into trying to understand how the fuck Deviant the Renegades is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. And I'm starting to think the people who wrote it didn't know either. Uh, we are currently playing in a Deviant game that Jay is running, and it is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, have I just out of curiosity, have you uh, played any of the modern uh, Onyx, Path, Onyx Path Chronicles of Darkness games, things yes. like Mage the Awakening, Werewolf the Forsaken, things like that? I am aware of them, but you know, I I am a big fan of the old world of of darkness, um, and so I never, I just, I never saw any reason to leave that behind and, and sort of move on to to those. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. Uh, that, that's fair. I mean, I started with New World and with Chronicles, so that kind of became my uh, my shtick. The reason I brought it up is you were mentioning uh, unknown armies. Uh, if, the current edition of Mage the Awakening, I've been I, I've been basically saying the same thing about it. It is a great primer yes. for Western esoteric thought. Oh, yes. whoever wrote that, they they did a ton of research in that into magic. Uh, yeah. so, so that's the reason I wanted to bring it up. Um, 
No, sure. that's very, very cool though. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad we got, we, uh, gave you a chance to talk about your favorite hobby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so moving into our final question, this is the easiest one. Uh, what's next for Tobias and the singular for teen society and where can people find your work? Sure. Uh, so, you know, currently we're working on um, our, our next book and uh, the working t- title of that right now is a singular 40 in society guide to Yuletide high strangeness. Um, <laughs> and so I, I write cool. about, uh, you know, weird encounters um, and, uh, and folklore and, uh, and just everything odd about, you know, the, the period between uh, mid December and, 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 uh, and, and New Year's Day. And there was a lot of it. Um, and so that'll, that, like, that should be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to research so far. And, uh, and we're looking to have that out, you know, be, before Christmas time. So probably November of this year. Very cool. Um, and in terms of where people, you know, can, can find me, um, obviously the Singular 40 and Society website. Uh, so you can go to singular40and.com. You know, we are on all, on all forms of social media. Um, well, you know, that like a 40 year old man hangs out on, so I'm, I'm not on TikTok, but mm-hmm. you can find the singular 40 in society on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and, um, Instagram. And, uh, you know, if, if you do like what we do and uh, you're interested enough in it that you want to be a part of it, you can always go to patreon.com slash singular 40 and we've got different membership tiers and, and everything for people who, who want to participate in our particular brand of weird. Very, very cool. cool. Thank you very much for that. All right. Well, I think that brings us up to the end of our time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. This was a ton of fun. It was so great to finally meet you. And um, we hope you had a good time as well. Yeah, this was this was fantastic. Thank oh. you so much. for having me. Thank you. And uh, I, you know, now, now that you've mentioned the book coming out in November, I look forward to reading it because I guarantee you we will. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Honestly. Walk with us.